0: Well, good Good to have you all this morning. Hopefully you got your new lesson uh, underneath the mirror out there. Uh, they're stacked up there. You guys have been waiting for them, wondering when we're going to get the next lesson. You know, So they're out there. I think page number 49 is where it starts, but overcoming the devil. Uh, it's the next group of uh, thoughts that we're going to be looking at. And uh, they are, uh, there's no way we'll get through this lesson, uh, but we're just going to tackle it and go as far as we can as we get into it this morning, the idea of overcoming the devil, who who the devil is, his work in our life, uh, what he desires and wants to accomplish, and, and uh, maybe some of our thoughts and what maybe we misconstrue or think incorrectly with regards to him. You know, Satan's activity in the Christian's life, a lot of times, is misunderstood. Uh, people have this Image of you know the little red devil with his you know uh, forked tail and the pitchfork in his hand running around, you know, just being a nuisance or a menace. But uh, he, he is much more subtle than that, and he's much more dangerous than that. Uh, and uh, I know in theory we understand that, but in practicality, I think a lot of times we we miss it uh, Satan's impact in our lives as believers. Satan was a fallen angel uh, that ultimately we know he was judged by God. And and, uh, we know that Genesis chapter 3, from that day until now, uh, he's been doing all he can to bruise the heel of the Savior. And uh, he does so by inflicting pain wherever he can, by causing problems wherever he can. Ultimately, he desires to deceive men to deceive men uh, of their need of a Savior, to deceive Christians of their uh, relationship with Christ and uh, how close they are to Him. He He desires to divide men. He divides men, first of all, from God. As long as he can keep people from God and a relationship with God and on their way to heaven, that's his first and ultimate goal. But then, even once you're, you're saved and put your faith and trust in Christ, then he would have you be divided from him in, in your relationship. And he divides men from men, causes division uh, and uh, division in the family of God. He divides men. He does all he can to defeat the believer. To defeat the believer just as if he can just make it so you're not having a victorious Christian life, which is what God wants you to have. But Satan will do all he can to bring defeat in your life and ultimately devour. We know the scripture tells us to devour the lives of the believers. So Satan is a is a worthy adversary that we must be aware of, and we must be conscious and know that he's there. But at the same time, uh, as we get through this lesson today and come into the conclusion, what I want you to go away with is ultimately that we do know that we have the victory over Satan, and that as Christian, as worthy of an adversary as he is, as powerful as he is, uh, we can and are expected to have victory uh, over him. Through Jesus Christ, Uh, Satan a lot of times is getting the upper hand in many lives, in many families, and and sometimes, and even in churches today, and uh, we need to know how to deal with him. We need to be aware of it, and we need to uh, address the problem and don't let him get the upper hand. And for us just to put our head in the sand uh, doesn't make the enemy go away. For us to just ignore or pretend like, well, he's not really that bad doesn't make him any less dangerous. It just makes us less able to deal with him. So we need to be aware of it. And that's what we're looking at here, overcoming the devil. Without salvation, Satan has control in your life. Would you turn to 2 Corinthians here, chapter 4 and verse number 4? Hopefully you have your Bibles this morning and you're ready to turn into some scripture. There's a lot of different scriptures we'll be looking at, some different uh, main passages. But I want to ask you um, that man in his natural unsaved state is, and there's a blank there, by Satan. But 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 is where we find the answer to that. Can you look at 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 and tell me what is the state of the natural man? What would be the word that goes in that blank there? Blinded, I heard somebody say it, blinded, yeah. That's the state of the natural man. He's been blinded. He tells us there that in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So the natural man lives and exists in a blinded state. He does not even see or understand what he doesn't see or understand. He just doesn't even know it. He doesn't even realize it. The fact is the match natural man by and large is shaped by societal norms. It kind, of, it, it kind of just, it, they live off of, well, whatever society feels is okay. That's what's okay. You go anywhere in the world and you'll find a group of people that from a little group of grass huts out in the middle of Africa or uh, Papua New Guinea or someplace like that to your major metropolises and you'll find a societal norm that is acceptable and that's how they live. There are some places, you know, in, in Papua New Guinea and such where it's perfectly normal to run around completely naked. This is acceptable. You know, it's, it's all right. And it's societal norm. For us here, that would not be the norm. And people get shaped by that. And, and, you know, in society today, we're seeing people live by that. See, when you remove God out of the picture, why, why wouldn't you just do whatever you want? When there is no ultimate authority, why not just live however you want to live? And society and what society believes is acceptable ultimately becomes the rule. And so that's what we do. And so when society decides that it's perfectly acceptable, uh, you know, for, let's say, a guy to have four or five wives, well, that's fine. You can do that. Society says it's okay. But that's because they've removed God out of the picture, When society says it's okay for a guy to marry a guy or a girl to marry a girl, well, then that's fine because society has determined that. And by and large, uh, the fact of the matter is what we understand is that the men are blinded by Satan. They don't see what they don't see. They don't even realize it. They're living in a natural state here. Uh, There is the result of Satan's blinding influence in the life of the unbeliever. This is the result that you see, a society that just lives by whatever's acceptable instead of whatever God would have them do. And so this is the result of the blinding influence in life of the unbeliever. Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3 there, he says, Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world. You see, that's what he's saying. He said, there was a time in the past when you walked according to the course of the world. You just did whatever everybody else was doing. You, you kind of, you were part of the group and that's, you guys did that together and that was acceptable and it was okay. And uh, you know, the age old question mom asked, you know, well, if, uh, your, if your friend jumped off a building, would you do it? You know, if he stepped in front of a car, would you step in front of a car? You don't just do what everybody else is doing. There's some things you got to have a head on your shoulders. You got to think, you know, and the fact of the matter is, he says, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. So who is it that's dictating and controlling the course of the world? The prince and power of the air. That's who's the one that's dictating these things. That's the one who's ultimately leading the, the course of the world. And the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. Now that word conversation there means behavior, the activity that we did, the way that we lived, our our behavior, And that's what he said, that's, there was a time when our behavior was dictated by the course of the world, which was ultimately dictated by the prince and the power of the air. In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and where by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But beloved, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you begin to have a new leader, a new master, a new lord Old things are passed away and all things are become new. And you begin to be guided by principles and the scales are taken off and you begin to see the differences and ultimately what God would want you to do. When one is saved, he starts to live by the truth of God's word instead of the accepted norm of society. And he lists several things here that the natural man, basically how he lives, the natural man he says here, you followed the culture of the world. Uh, You lived by the desire of the flesh. You fulfilled the sinful desires of your own mind. You behave like every other unsaved person, it's just what everybody was doing, this is what we're doing. You're lifted up in pride, 1 John 2:15 tells us that. You're of your father, the devil, John 8:44, Satan uh, is your father. Uh, you were deceived and a deceiver, 2 Timothy 3:13. But the fact of the matter is that that is the unsaved man, but the saved man needs to realize that Satan is still at work, even in our lives. Satan is still doing all he can to disrupt and ultimately destroy or devour, the Bible says, the christian 's life. And we don't want to be ignorant of that. We see that he works in our lives. There's these diagram given to us here of Satan's snares, different ways that he works in our lives. We see that he corrupts the mind. He corrupts the mind. He, uh, I mean, you look at the world today and you think, man, how can they possibly think this is acceptable? How, it, it, under what scope could they possibly in their mind literally think this is okay? I mean, surely they don't. Surely they're just putting putting on a show or something. I mean, they can't possibly think that it's acceptable to just destroy other people's property and steal whatever you want. And that's fine. I mean, that can't really be OK. But people are saying, oh, this is fine. This is acceptable. This is peaceful protest. Uh, we're going to we're going we're gonna to do this. This this is fi-. this is not fine. That would be like me telling my four-year-old, well, it's okay if you break the window. You, you, have, you have a concern. You know, this is fine if you do whatever you want to do. You can smash the, the window in the car uh, because you have to sit in a car seat. Life's unfair and unjust, and so you get to do whatever you want. No. But why does society come to the place that they think this way? Because Satan corrupts the mind. Uh, he tempts. He continues to tempt Satan always is going to tempt. Put those things, those appetites that you have, those uh, things that you enjoy or look towards, that the temptation is going to be there. And Satan's going to find a way to get it in front of you. Find a way to to be able to tempt you with it. He provokes. He provokes us. Uh, Satan, we know that he is a liar and the father of it. uh, And he lies. He he implants lies into your mind. You know, he'll... uh, make Timothy think that Fred something said something bad about him. And Fred never said that. They were on their way out, out of the church, and, and Fred turned around and, and said, see you later. And, and uh, Tim, in his mind, he heard him say that uh, you're an idiot or whatever. I mean, I know that doesn't rhyme, but I'm just saying, he just heard something. You know, you miss here. And then, and then you start thinking about that, and uh, before long it becomes a stronghold, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but uh, Satan plants these lies, and uh, you, you begin to believe those things. He, he lies. Uh, he also lies by telling us that the, his path is going to be a path of joy and happiness and success, and ultimately we know it leads to a path of, of destruction, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth what? What? death. We know that. And yet Satan would try and sell us on the lie. I mean, every billboard out there for, for uh, you know, the, the, the vices of the world, whatever vice you want to put on that billboard, the billboard is not showing the truth. The billboard is not showing where those people end up. The billboard is, is, is ultimately portraying a lie. And, uh, you know, they make you think, well, if you drink this you're going to be a tough, brawny, you know, big, big guy. Or, or in today's world, you're going to be, you'll be a successful effeminate guy. You know, whatever, whatever, it is, whatever they're trying to sell, they, they sell it and they sell it by selling a lie. Satan snares, you know, us by being an accuser. We know he's accuser of the brother and he accuses, he afflicts us. Uh, Job is a great example of that. We see how Job uh, was afflicted by Satan Uh, in 1 Peter 5, 9, he says, Whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So he's saying the same afflictions that Satan brings upon some that are in the world, he can bring those afflictions on us. Sometimes he does that to discourage you. I mean, sometimes the battle in our spirit is just as strong as the battle in our physical body. When when you've been dealing with something for weeks and months and months and you just get so discouraged about it, you get so disheartened about this ongoing physical struggle it's not a spiritual battle, but it turns into a spiritual battle because Satan has just afflicted you and you've got this problem and it just keeps coming and you, and you get so discouraged and you feel like, man, does God know what I'm going through? And, and uh, ultimately, if he could get you to say, God doesn't care about me, forget God, I'm going to go do whatever, he's won a victory by afflicting you with something physical. So he afflicts us. We see that he deceives us. We know that, uh, that he perverts the scriptures. Uh, take the scriptures and pervert those, and there's many doing that today. We know it's been Satan's plan since the very beginning when he questioned the scriptures, uh, what what God said, hath God said. And he is a murderer, which we're going to look at here at right now in this uh, verse, Second Corinthians chapter 10. If you're in Second Corinthians, I think you can turn to chapter 10 in verses 3 through 5. Um, uh, it's John 8, 44 is the, uh where he talks about being murdered. But Satan causes a believer to battle, battle to be more intense. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, what he's saying, though we walk in the flesh, though this old flesh is our body. This is what we're living in. This is what we have, this is what we have to deal with. Uh, you know, some of you wish that we didn't have to deal with it. But this old flesh is what we got to live with and it's falling apart and it doesn't do what it used to do and we can't accomplish what we used to accomplish things are getting harder but we live in the flesh. But he says listen we can't war in the flesh. You and I cannot beat Satan just by gritting our teeth and saying okay, I've got this. I mean you might be able to rip some roots out of a plant you've got in your in your yard by gritting your teeth and just saying okay, one more time, we're just going to grab it and, and we're going to get it. And you're just like, I'm going to throw my back out. Of, well, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm getting this thing out of the ground. You know, you just grit your teeth and go. But we can't beat Satan that way. He says, you can't war after the flesh. We live in the flesh, but you don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We've got to be careful as Christians that we don't allow Satan to get strongholds in our life. We're going to talk about that a little bit more as we get further down here. But we see casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Listen, you want to have victory over Satan? The battle is won in the mind. Bring into captivity every every thought, every thought, every thought to the obedience Of Christ. The very first time you begin to think about that woman and her attractive body, you bring that thought into captivity. You say, I can't be thinking about that. That's not what I should be looking at. That's not what I should be pondering. Ma'am, the first time you start thinking about that old flame and what it would be like to be with him instead of being with the husband that God gave you and you start romanticizing about a relationship with somebody else because your husband is not meeting one particular need you have, you bring that thought into captivity. You do it right then and say, that's not honoring God and you'll never get caught in an affair, because that's way down the road from when you start entertaining those thoughts. The first time you start thinking about taking that uh, whatever it is without paying for it, you bring that into captivity and say, I can't, I can't steal that. Let him that stole steal no more. I can't do that. I can't even think about, it. why would I think about that? Oh, I, <laughs> You guys are going to really think less of me now uh, as your pastor, but my mind will come up with the craziest ways to get away with the most, I mean, like, you know what? It would be so easy to get out of here with this. With this. You know, this, all I have to do is do this and this, and I would be gone, you know, or whatever. And, and you think, man, how could you, how could you even think about that? Satan puts those thoughts in our minds. And if you don't bring those things into captivity, you start thinking about it, well, it would be a whole lot easier to just get it instead of have to pay for it be a whole lot easier. Boy, if I just lied about this, I wouldn't have to deal with the repercussions of, of, of the w- problems at work and what's going to happen down the road. I'm just going to lie. And one lie leads to another lie. So you bring every thought into captivity right in the beginning. That's the easiest time to do it. But the problem is Satan is so subtle, he makes you think, well, it's not really that bad. I mean, all you're doing is just entertaining some thoughts just for a little bit. It's not, it's not like you crossed any lines, but you did. You gave Satan an inroad. And we're going to see that in a second here. We've got to bring those thoughts into captivity. We know things that we know about the devil here uh, as we're talking about this and we're introducing the devil. The devil is a murderer, John eight 44. I'll read that to you, John eight forty four. Year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning... And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We know that that's who Satan is. He's a murderer, he's a liar, there is no truth in him. His work is, is, although we look and we say, well, he is a murderer, he's going to ultimately destroy and take your life if he can, he'll do it very subtly, he'll do it very craftily. He's not an overt adversary. He's a subtle adversary. He comes by the way of a, of a side entrance or, or sneaks in, and, and we don't even realize what it is that he's doing. You know, almost like when you pick up a little, a little bug, uh, you, you pick up a little something, and, and you think, well, it's not that bad. And then 24 hours later, you can't get out of bed. You know, you're just sick as a dog, and you're laying in bed, and you're like, man, I thought it was just a little cough, but boy, this just took over. And, and Satan comes in real subtle, doesn't seem that bad, but then he's, before you know it, he's taken over. He gives physical attacks as he attacks uh, mankind. We see this here, a uh, little paragraph. Uh, Satan's powers, especially seen in the life of Job, as Satan destroys Job's family, his possessions, and his health. His influence was restrained only by God. We know that God put a limit on him. As powerful as Satan was, God controlled what he could or couldn't do. That's why ultimately at the end of this, we want to go away with the fact that as powerful as Satan is, God is more powerful, and God's on our side, and we can have victory through the Lord. So you may be uncertain as to what extent the devil can afflict Christians. Um, I personally believe... That, uh, uh, you know, what fellowship hath light with darkness? Uh, I, I believe that a Christian cannot be possessed by Satan or by a, the, the devil or his angels. Um, there's some that believe the opposite. But that's what I believe that once the Holy Spirit dwells inside you, I don't believe that there's any way that the devil can possess that same space. But the devil can oppress you. The devil, there is, we cannot, just because we say, well, we can't be possessed, we can't be taken over by Satan, but we need to be completely aware of the fact that Satan can have very great influence in our life. Even as a Christian, there's some people that I've dealt with, and this is such a hard thing because there's so many facets of it, but severe depression takes over. And there, there's different areas, and, and this is something that people r- really deal with. And sometimes I believe it's Satan that's coming on somebody and bringing that depression. Even though they're saved now, they're, they're just completely depressed, and they feel like life's not worth living, and it's so hard, and, and they don't know what to do. And, and it is such a battle to try and get through that or get over it. And there's many things that, that play into that, but I believe Satan can do that. He may not be able to possess the same body, but he can oppress. So we might not be aware of all that Satan can do, uncertain to what extent he can afflict a Christian, but we know, broadly speaking, that Satan's intent is always to steal, to kill, and destroy, John 10.10. That's what it says. The thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? That's what his goal is. So however he can accomplish that in our life, that's what he wants to do. There is no escaping the attack of Satan uh, except through the power of God, Ephesians 6.13, to withstand, to resist, either physically or moral, or with the physical or moral force. We know we need God's help to withstand the attacks of Satan. Uh, Satan will use physical weakness and infirmities to defeat you spiritually. Satan sent Paul, that thorn in the flesh, to defeat him, but Paul restrained. Paul continued to be victorious. We know 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 reads, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. He says, there was a thorn in the flesh. Satan brought this into my life. And uh, ultimately, I know God had a purpose for it. And thrice I asked God to take it away. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient. Uh, This is something that you're going to need in your life. There's something that you're going to have to learn to overcome through the power of God. But Satan can bring those things into our lives. He brought it into Paul's life. And we don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh is. Maybe you guys have heard that some people believe it is his, uh, was his eyesight. Paul was believed to be very uh, nearsighted, really nearsighted and very difficult. Um, and some believe later in life they have some representation that he had some bone deficiencies because he was believed to be very short. And uh, so it might have been some lot of pain in his bones because he wasn't growing properly, like it wasn't growing correctly. That's, these are just extrapolations from some historical things that they've seen. We don't really know what it is, but we know that Paul didn't want it. And God said, you're going to live with it, but I'm going to give you grace to, to be able to live with it uh, and do it correctly. And so we see that in the power of Satan. So we know Satan does this. He destroys all that he can. We know the devil is a liar. We've read that verse. Uh, intellectually, uh, he brings attacks against you. Uh, so physically, he brings attacks. And then intellectually, in our mind, he brings attacks. He, he attempts to deceive your mind. Intellectually, attacks you. He attempts to deceive your mind. Um, you know, one time, many years ago, when I was a very young man, Mary and I had just been married about three years or so, uh, we were approached about an investment opportunity and uh this investment opportunity looked very promising you know this one of these guaranteed 20 to 25 percent uh you had to invest this money overseas in order to invest this money overseas the first thing you had to do is you had to open an ibc an international business uh consultant and so we opened an ibc invested this money and we, we we did a lot of due diligence beforehand I talked to people. I actually knew a pastor that had invested in it. He had been investing in this for over ten years. He had already several times withdrawn several, many times over what his initial investment was. And uh, we thought, man, this is this looks great. Everything looks promising. Uh, we invested three thousand dollars. Now we had it, but we didn't have it to spend. You know what I mean? We had three thousand dollars. That's all I had. I didn't. I know somebody that borrowed ten thousand dollars and invested in the same thing. And uh, about three months later, we got a notice from the U.S. government, and they said, um, we see that it's very likely you probably invested in this uh, business overseas. Uh, we want to inform you that this was a large Ponzi scheme, and uh, you have been taken. Uh, if you, uh, you know, want to try and pursue legal action, we're, we're going after these people right now, but want you to know your money's gone. Uh, and here we were, a young married couple, (laughs) took our last little bit of money and, you know, invested in this. That's what Satan does. He sells you this big dream, this big thing, and and, and it's all a lie. It's all fake. And I'm glad I learned a lesson uh, that has saved me several times since then, uh, with just $3,000 and not a whole lot more, because it could have been a lot worse. See, if I'd have been older and I would have had a lot more money, I probably would have put a lot more money in it. At least I had enough sense to know not to borrow money. <laughs> I didn't borrow any money to put in it. Uh, but that's what Satan does. He, he, he sells the lie. Um, Satan will sell you a whole list of life experiences that are presented as amazing, but really are empty and worthless. Oh, if I could just experience that, if I could just know what that was like, if I could know how that felt, if I know how, what this was like, it's a lie of Satan. Satan will influence your thoughts. Uh, And you and I, we see this diagram that he's given us here, how Satan influences our minds. We have our thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds. Here's kind of a progression here. As As I mentioned earlier, bring every thought into captivity. If you bring that thought into captivity right away, that's the easiest place to do it. But if you allow it to go, it turns into an imagination. You begin to dwell on that. You begin to dream about it. You begin to envision the possibility of it and that thought will ultimately become a stronghold. It'll become a place where Satan has a stronghold, a foothold in your life. And those are a whole lot harder to overcome. There's some people that have come and said, I just can't, I just can't get victory over this in my life. I've tried, I've done everything I can do, and I can't get victory. Why? Because now it's a stronghold in our life. Satan's got deep roots, got some real grounded strengths, and and to overcome that is really difficult. If we would have been brought into captivity way back when it was just a thought, we could have overcome it, and it would have never happened. But because we let it go, it becomes a stronghold. Satan influences your thoughts, and every one of us have different life experiences that, uh, you know, the same thoughts that Satan might bring into my mind Uh, Satan would bring different thoughts into your mind because your life experiences shape how he's going to come and how he's going to attack you. Everyone is unique in that way, but the problem is is Satan knows how to get you. He influences you uh, through allowing your imagination to run, putting things into your mind and wondering about that experience, uh, selling you on a lie. Uh, There was a man in the church here uh, some years ago um, that felt, I mean, he was convinced. He was 100% convinced that I was on purpose ignoring him. That if, if, uh, if I, I was walking up and he was standing right here, if he was there, I would turn and go this way. If, if we were in the foyer and he was in the foyer, I would leave the foyer. I would not stand in the foyer with him. He was 100% convinced and week after week he watched. He would watch for any time that I turned away and say, "See? See, he just went he just went into the fellowship hall when I was standing in the foyer." Ultimately got to the place where he thought that I hated him and so he was going to leave the church. But he told one of the men in the church, "Hey, I'm leaving the church." And he said, uh, well, why, why are you leaving the church? And he said, well, pastor hates me, so there's no reason for me to be here. And he's like, what do you mean pastor hates you? He said, he hates me. And he gave him all these instances about how I avoided him and ignored him and didn't do this or that. And uh, th- this man in the church had some wisdom and said, listen, if you feel God wants you to go, you, you, you do what God wants you to do. But you really ought to sit down with pastor. Don't, don't leave with that. Between you. If there's something there, you ought to go talk to him. That's what the Bible says. Go talk to him. And so uh, he called. And uh, we we sat down. And about an hour and a half later, he was crying. And he says, I, I just can't imagine why I was thinking that. He says, I don't know why I would be so convinced that you hated me. He says, I, I just... I don't know. And, and we're still friends to this day. Now, he doesn't attend church here anymore uh, because of health reasons. He, he had to attend closer to where he lives. He's, not, he's afraid he's going to pass out in the car and, and have a wreck, so he doesn't want to drive very far. So he tries to drive very little. But we're still friends to this day. And if it wasn't health restricting him, he, would, he, would, he, he loves Valley Baptist Church. But Satan just kept putting this in his mind. And you know, when you come in looking for something like that, when you come in and say, OK, I know Fred, I know what he's like, and, and I'm going to watch today and I'll bet you I'm going to see it. When you come looking for that, Satan will give it to you. Yeah. Satan will show it. You, you, you say that's what see that I knew Fred was that way, you know, and, and that's what Satan does to you. He puts these thoughts in your mind and then he allows your imagination to run with it. And then it becomes a stronghold. It became a stronghold in this guy's life where he was going to leave offended and upset and and mad at me. And he would have been gone from here and maybe not in church at all. But because of a brother in Christ who had some wisdom and helped him come and we sat down and talked it out. uh, You know, we're still friends to this day. And he's a good guy. Loves the Lord. But Satan was getting a stronghold in his life. And we've got to watch that. Don't let Satan do that. Satan will influence you and ultimately bring this to a point of stronghold in your life. You know, when you continue to think wrong, your imagination runs, and you'll find Satan gains this stronghold. How many of you know someone who is bitter and angry about something that happened 25 years ago? Something that happened 20 years ago, and they can't hardly have a conversation without it coming up. Satan's got a stronghold in their life. You look at him and say, why don't you let that go? Why don't you get past that? Why don't you get over? I mean, it was 25 years ago. It was whatever, whatever, you know, why? why? because Satan's got a stronghold there and he's using it to control that. And it may be a Christian, a believer, but Satan's using it to control their life. We got to be very careful that we don't let Satan do that. Uh, He'll use our own selfishness and sinful thoughts, unbiblical philosophies of the world to do it, and Satan's own wicked and vile suggestions. I know you guys probably, well, we're all sinners, saved by grace. And I know that you're just like me. There's been times in your life that a thought entered your mind, and you thought, what in the world? Where, where would a thought like that, why would I think that? Why would that even enter my mind? Satan. And you got to bring that thought into captivity. Or Satan, except by the grace of God, any one of us is capable of doing the most vilest of sins. Any one of us here. And that's what we need to be aware of so that we're cautious with the adversary, the devil. The devil lied to Eve when uh, he said, uh, "Ye shall not surely die." We know that you shall not surely die. We have some lies that the devil gives us here. Uh, we see your church doesn't meet your needs. You know that happens a lot. Um, let me just ask you: Who is who is the church? The people, the believers. So, you're the church. So, for Satan to tell you that the church doesn't meet your needs uh, is a lie of the devil. You need to look at it. Uh, um, that God will leave you unhappy, God's way will leave you unhappy. Uh, that when we know ultimately that we'll be most fulfilled and most happy when we follow the Lord's way, that the Bible is too strict, that it's limiting your life and, and stealing all your joy. Uh, you don't need to follow the Bible's commands or the Bible way. Humbling yourself is going to be demeaning. Uh, you, you know, you need to hold on to your pride. You know, you've heard people say that. Uh, they go, they're like, well, at least I got out of there with my pride. It's about the worst thing you could have got out of there with. You know, that's what people say, that kind of stuff. You know, at least I, at least I held my pride. Okay. This pride is a, is a real problem in our lives, we need to humble ourselves uh, that you're all alone, that God doesn't care about you, lies of Satan. Uh, some of Satan's lies come from the world, while others may come from deceived Christians. So I want you to understand it's not just the world, it's not just people out there that you're conscious and aware of the fact that they may be leading you astray. Sometimes there's Christians that are deceived or, or that Satan has put a thoughts in their mind and he'll bring those to you that way. You must learn to recognize the subtle and deceitful lies of the devil because only uh, then are you able to fight against them. We know 1 Peter 5.8. What does that say? Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that he's out there. We know that's his plan and we've got to be sober. Uh, That means to be vigilant. That means to be aware. That means to be conscious. Uh, The devil is wicked. And never ceases to bring temptations against the moral side of mankind. Your morality is principles of right and wrong. They govern our standards of behavior in your daily life. And Satan is wicked and will do all he can to destroy your moral compass. You know, he is the source of all the vile wickedness that's in the society today. And uh, John 3, 8 there, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Uh, We know that. All the craziness in society today. Satan is the source of it and he's going to try and promote or bring about any wickedness that he can Satan often appears as an angel of light in reality he is the author of confusion he consistently burrowing the lines between right and wrong Uh, through his lies and deceit he presents you opportunities to sin and tries to make you think that your sin is acceptable and not sin at all Satan wants you to live in that realm uh, the devil attacks us in these three places, physically, intellectually, and morally. Knowing this, knowing that he's going to attack us, attack us this way, how do we get victory? Knowing that he's coming at us with all of these things, how do we get victory over it? How can we possibly do it? As we close today, I want you to know that you can have victory. Satan is a powerful adversary. Now, he works together with the world and this old flesh. But we can't overcome him. We can be victorious. Christians can experience victory over Satan and his evil influences. 1 John four four. We know that. He says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we look at this adversary and as we study him over the next couple of weeks and think about what he does to our lives. And man, he's such a... a uh, um, Potent or powerful adversary, but Jesus is more powerful and Jesus is on your side. So you can have the victory. Don't, don't say, oh, well, the devil made me do it because God wants you to have victory and you can overcome it. Jesus came. Let me give you this and we'll, we'll close here. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus can destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil wants to perform in your life, Jesus can destroy that. And he's in you, and he wants to give you victory. So in the next couple weeks, we're going to look at this, uh, learn more about this adversary, and ultimately how, through the power of God, we can overcome him.